the Plumley Pod, episode 44. Prepare to lift the lid on all things education, not indoctrination. Your voice of reason for home education, the Plumley Pod. Hello and welcome to the Plumley Pod. I'm your host, Sarah Plumley, and today's special guest is Deborah Woolard, nature artist and therapeutic art teacher, passionate about sharing the joy, peace, and achievements creativity brings. Well, amen to that. You don't hear a lot about creativity, particularly in education these days. Deborah, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. I'm going to dive straight in with the most obvious question in the world, but I think it's one worth exploring because not everybody fully understands this and some people haven't come across it at all. But what is therapeutic art? Can you explain to us in a bit of detail what that is and how it works, please? Absolutely. I think in a nutshell, all art is therapeutic. But what I do is offer a space for that where people are recovering from stress, trauma, anxiety, especially since the pandemic, we've had so many people with their mental health being severely affected by that. And I offer a space where they can actually come and just make art and play with art. And I teach a whole variety of different mediums because I've done it my whole life. So therapeutic art is literally having the space for creating something in a mindful way. And that is why you're in that space. And that is all you have to do in that space. I love that all art is therapeutic. Amen to that. I completely understand that, particularly from a theatrical arts perspective. In fact, it's no coincidence that very often things like art art, the stuff that you do, takes place in prisons. And so does a lot of dramatic art. We've always got dramatic artists going into prisons, working with prisoners because of the therapeutic effects. So is therapeutic art Millie for the psychological or can it be physical too? Oh it's for everybody and the thing is a lot of physical issues with people do stem from what's going on with stress. You hold stress in different parts of your body. It can give you IBS, it can give you autoimmune issues. Migraines. Migraines. It can definitely give you migraines if you have tension in terrible places. I'm good at that. (laughs) Absolutely. So so yeah. Definitely, it's going to be physically help people as well as emotionally, 100% because it's a really completely holistic thing to do and necessary. If I may ask, why did you get into it? Why therapeutic art, especially for you? I think for me personally, I have had, since a pretty young age, I've been through enormous periods of stress and I've been through some really, really difficult things that have been ongoing physically, emotionally, really, really stressful. And the thing that has got me through all of those times is my creativity. I have never taken an antidepressant. And that's not because I'm some superhero. I am someone who loves creativity and I have a physical need to create. If I don't do something creative, then I get this kind of itch that needs to be scratched that only that can fix. 
it's feeding your rat, isn't it? It's um, you also strike me as somebody who's probably quite well read on pharma, big pharma in particular. So might that also be a reason why you wouldn't like to take any antidepressants? Thank you very much. Well, this is it, and this is you've hit the nail on the head. Big pharma, they do not want people to be creative. They don't want art to be taught. It's not just the government. The government are against it because people think differently and express themselves differently and they see things differently when they embrace their creativity and run with it. Everybody is creative. Everybody is creative without exception. But people are crushed and led to believe that they are incapable of being creative, of being artistic. And they just get told that it's not their thing, that they get kids in school they will sit down and they would be told by a teacher who probably has had no training in art, they will be told, you can now create a watercolour painting. Off you go. So they go off with some watercolour paints and they have no instruction of how to use it, no instruction of why you would need a watercolour paper. There's different types of watercolour papers there are, what difference that makes to your finished product. They don't get shown how to use these technical paints And what they produce isn't what they wanted to produce. They think they're rubbish at it. It completely kills it from the start. They then think they can't do it. I spent three years in high school art, absolutely lost, no clue what was going on. Felt I never learned anything because I was never taught anything. And I don't know if you heard the podcast the other week with the secret art professor, but I basically disclosed that the only thing that I did in art that was ever any good was when I copied the colouring in style of the girl sat next to me, lovely girl called Heather. And when she was like colouring in a fire, she wouldn't just get a red or an orange like me. She'd get like a yellow, two different shades of red and an orange. And she'd combine them and do all of this like really hard, like rubbing, like proper... And I was like, that looks amazing. I'm like, oh, I should do that. Like my drawing was obviously very different and I wasn't doing a fire. I was doing something else. That's the only thing I learned in three years of high school, secondary school art from the ages of 11 through to about 14. And it was literally off the girl sat next to me because she happened to have a flair for it. I swear I wasn't shown anything. I was an excellent student of pretty much anything. So long as you showed me some skills that I could practice and develop. But if you don't, and they don't. So there's two things there that you've touched on already. There's government and pharma. Let's go after government first, because that's one of my favourites. So why do the government not want creative people? Why do they want to drum creativity out of the people, do you think? Creativity is when you are creative and you spend your time observing something differently to how other people would observe it, to how passers-by would observe, whether it's something in nature, something growing, or whether it's in performing arts, you might people watch and try and understand what you know what's going on for different people the expressions on their faces when you start to look at things in different ways then you understand them differently and you become more interested in what you're seeing and you become more interested in the subjects around it so you will automatically go deeper and deeper into whatever part of creativity it is that you're interested in, your knowledge and understanding will expand exponentially and you will be thinking as an individual, that is not something that the government appreciate. They don't want people thinking outside the box. They want people to be clever enough to work the machines, but not clever enough to make them. I'm hearing echoes of George Carlin there. 
I'm uh, beautiful. Absolutely. It's a big club and you ain't in it. They want people just smart enough to run the machines, just dumb enough to accept the increasingly low wages, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, beautiful. Absolutely. It's almost as though the government fully understands the danger that creativity poses to them. If you want to take an ancient example, Socrates was sentenced to death. He had to drink hemlock. He was certainly a creative thinker. And you can say what you like about Socrates, but he, a creative thinker, he definitely was. And that was clearly no good for uh, Athenian society. They were not having any of that. But also, it's almost as though because creation and creativity is so beautiful, it sucks you in more. It makes you insatiably curious, often obsessed with whatever it is you're doing, whether it's textiles or painting, drawing, or even writing poetry, for example, to take kind of a literary angle on art. But anything that engages somebody that much, it seems to me that the powers that shouldn't be think that's a massive danger. Because let's face it, if you're going to rewire a plug, you know, there's only so much to learn about that. There's no great art or beauty in that. So you're not going to get too engaged in that and go and try and research too much around rewiring a plug because once you've learned it, you've basically learned it, haven't you? Whereas with art, it could take you off anywhere, could it not? Absolutely, anywhere, literally. It's like a severe danger to them, like a this is something that I think truly frightens them. And it sounds bizarre because we're talking about beauty. We're talking about paint boxes and paintbrushes, right? And yet they're terrified of it. They're terrified of this stuff. Beauty is not okay in art anymore. Now it's all about the concept, as the secret professor touched on the other week. Huh. And the big problem with that is, so I went and did my art degree. I got my foundation degree in contemporary fine art practice. And in that time, I was self-taught by the time I went there in many different mediums. And I arrived at university and I got in with the strength of my ability with art. Hold that thought, hold that a second, I was going to dive in on you anyway, because so with art, which is unlike most subjects, you're not being selected because you passed an exam, you ticked some boxes or you did a multiple choice survey you're being accepted on the basis of your physical work is that right is that how it works I was but that's not how it works no oh go on tell us more what is the process does the process normally work the process is that they expect people to have GCSEs A levels and the next step up from that is to get a HNC or is it is there like college it's the very first thing at uni which is a foundation art or foundation. something? Foundation. Is that a foundation arts. degree or something? No, that's the foundation art is then prior to the foundation degree. Right, okay. Yeah, so it's a tiered process to get in there. And actually there was somebody that had been rejected on the course with all those qualifications. And when they found out that I'd gone in without any qualifications, she was not happy. But the interesting thing was I went in there thinking, oh, great, well, I'm going to learn all these amazing techniques and get told that I've been doing things wrong or differently. Or, but I didn't learn a thing about how to create art there. Nothing. It was all about coming up with a concept of what you want to make your work about and applying that. And the first project I did, I got absolutely slated because it was too aesthetically pleasing. Too pretty, too beautiful. Oh, we too don't want that in art. <laughs> Someone might buy that, but you know, and that wants it in their home. Why didn't you realise? 
it's supposed to be ugly. Where have you been? Where have you, did you miss the memo? Art's ugly now. Ugly's the new beauty. Fat's the new thin. Like, shut up. <laughs> exactly. Oh, hell, this is, oh, this is awful. I'm out. I'm looking forward to the GCSE and Bob Moran-style cartoons being released. Oh, sorry, no, that won't be, will it? For obvious reasons, because it's he has talent, he has gifts, he can really draw colours beautifully, paint absolutely amazing. No, no, there won't be any of that. And especially because of the concept. When I hear concept, I just think agenda, nasty, dark, evil agenda. That's what they mean by concept. They mean their sicko ideology, their woke ugliness. I was complaining last week bitterly about the filthy excuses of architecture in the towns and cities that we're seeing. Absolutely disgusting. Look at it compared to anything from 50 years ago and then 100 years ago. It doesn't even compare. It's a joke. Absolutely. You don't even have to be qualified to see that it's just butt-ass ugly. In fact, there's some disgusting sculpture, and I mean disgusting sculpture, at Credit Agricole. Other banks are also have disgusting sculptures too, I'm sure. But anyway, I'm not being bankist about this. All the <laughs> banksters have probably got disgusting art outside. But um, I couldn't believe it. We drove to one of the... T- we never drive to the towns. We stay away from these smart grid places. We had to go and get a thing that we couldn't get online, so we had to go out. And I saw this piece, and I'm like, stop the car, stop the car. My husband was driving, I'm like, I've got to go and have a look at this. There was this grotesque, huge black blob outside a bank. And it's a bank that we happen to pay money to, because we have to, unfortunately, to operate here in France. It was just this enormous blob. Presumably it was female form, judging by the thunder thighs and the enormous buttocks on it. But it's like this little tiny boobies and this enormously fat buttocks and huge, disgustingly obese thighs. What the hell is that doing outside a bank? A, it's ugly and B, it's crap. If it looks like something I could do, it's not art. Literally, if I could do it, it's definitely not art. That's kind of my standard. Am I alone in this kind of thinking? The way that I see it is that that person who created that sculpture, because I imagine it's a modern sculpture, in which case the person who created it they would not know how to create an actual physiologically correct sculpture. So you go back to Picasso and yeah, he produced some outlandish work. He was actually a very brave, bold artist, but he could paint like the masters and he did that first. And then he decided, actually, I want to see things differently. I want to capture in my work what's going on behind the thing that is taking it at the forefront of the picture and he invented cubism with that and there's thought process behind it that kind of artwork concept I can understand that he earned his right to do that yeah but you cannot we're in a situation now people turn up at university and they just go straight to that they go straight to oh well I'm going to draw this scene in squares or in bubbles and that's my style but actually well could you draw it as photo reality could you do that in any medium at all no that's it there reality that's it right there you said it earlier you put it even better earlier and i didn't quite capture it but obviously the recording will this creature that's sculpted this other creature it's not in proportion it can't be because if your thighs and ass sorry to be crude ladies and gents but if your thighs and ass are that enormously morbidly obese there's no way you've got tiny little boobies ladies come on like things grow together right so that's what's so i'm gonna have to take photographs of this and send them to you (laughs) 
<laughs> you, you, you could put them up on your Instagram as contrasting to your beautiful work and let people comment for themselves. But this thing, I had to, I had to like, stop the car. And that's the problem with it. That's the most offensive part. It's not just that it's a black amorphous blob. It's not just that it's ugly, that it's dark. It's also not even in a freaking proportion. I'm sure like a an intelligent nine-year-old would make a better estimate of the proportionality. I suppose maybe it's just offending my mathematics kind of brain, like, no, that's all wrong, that that's all right. That those numbers don't work, darling. Yeah, the ratios are completely out. Yeah. And I think there's something that you touched on as well. You sort of said in your own fantastic way that when you were talking about Picasso, you have to learn the rules before you have the right to break them. Yeah. I really feel strongly about that. Yeah. Yeah. And that is something that is completely skipped over. It's not no skills at all like this. I mean, I know a lady who got a job as a secondary art teacher, secondary school art teacher in a local school, and she is an architect. And she got the job having no experience with art or artists whatsoever. It wasn't even a hobby. And she got the job at the beginning of the summer to start in the September And she had to go to some galleries over the summer to learn about artists, to teach secondary school art. It's absolutely sickening. And for people who are not from the UK, that's 11 to 16-year-olds. That's 11 to 16-year-olds, somebody who knows nothing about art is going to be teaching art. What could possibly go wrong? Well, no, it's no wonder that there's a massive decline. Since 2010 to 2022, enrolment in arts GCSE subjects has gone down to 43%. <laughs> well, I want you to teach me how to paint. It's no good if you're going to teach me how to make ugly shit. I can do that myself at home without any tuition, without the 20, 30, 40 grand it's going to cost me in non-tuition tuition fees. Yeah. Exactly. like I want to learn to paint properly. I want to learn to paint something that people can recognise without me having to tell them what it was supposed to be. Like, Isn't that what it was meant to be in the first place. And, and they talk how to use the different mediums and why. So as an artist, if you're a real artist, you're a real artist, then you just have one medium, yeah? One medium, that's all real artists have. You have to be a textile artist or a painter or a drawer or whatever it is. It has to be just the one thing. And since when? This is absolute nonsense. Why should you not explore if you're passionate about a subject? Why should you not explore that in different mediums? When you look back at Leonardo da Vinci, he did sculpture, he did painting, he did drawing, he did designing, he did a whole plethora, whatever he could to get his words out of his head, his ideas out of his head, then he got it out in writing, drawing, everything. And he had many mediums. And no one can tell me that he was not an artist. Tell me about this bloody art degree that you went on where they didn't teach you any fine art skills. Like, what was the experience like and what did that do to you? I think that I just cottoned on very quickly that what it was that they needed. They needed to have a concept and if you can produce a body of work on that concept, then you can get your degree and that's what I did. I did what was required because I wanted to be an art teacher at the time. And I wanted to get an art degree before getting the teaching degree because, call me crazy, that's what I would expect from someone else. So, but apparently it's not the dumb thing. I don't know why I bothered. But, but you know, this is the problem. I think that we're in a situation now where 
we need artists that know about a medium or several mediums. We need artists to be sharing this information because it's only accessible on private courses now, really. And they're extremely expensive for good reason. Art equipment is not cheap, etc. But it needs to be more accessible because there are a lot of people who think they have not got artistic skills and they're not going to spend £200 going on a course thinking that they're rubbish. They won't be able to produce anything decent from it. Nobody would get a few hundred pounds together to put me on a drawing course, but I can't even draw stick men. Man, I completely empathise with that. It's just like, no, Sarah, no. Like, I might chip in a few quid for your podcast and some of your maths courses here and there, but drawing, piss off, you crap. And I have to take that. I can, However... I'm lucky I have lots of creative outlets. And also, it's not just luck. I've worked at that. I know that I needed creative outlets. And I've always worked to maintain those in whatever format I can, whether it's being a playwright, whether it's acting, whether it's music or just speech. I know that's necessary for a healthy, happy lifestyle. But a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't know. And unless they have an opportunity to explore any kind of art, whether it's dramatic art, whether it's the hardcore painting and drawing, pastels, whatever. Like, how are they to know? How are they going to develop? How are they going to be okay? And this sort of brings us to the second half of the first two things that you opened up with, which was government and pharma. Talk to me about why pharma might not like art therapy. So everybody knows that anything artistic or creative is good for you and it's good for your soul it's good for your mind it's going to keep you active it's going to keep you engaged keep your mind active it keeps you passionate it keeps you happy all of these things they work against the things that big pharma love and they love people to be sat down for hours watching eastenders not thinking about anything and not using their own If you're watching crap on TV, you can be sat there eating crap from big food, which then makes you uh, more of a big pharma customer, doesn't it? Because you're so mindless, you don't have to think about East Enderdale Street. Sorry, combine them all up there, same crap, different parts of the country. (laughs) If you're watching East Enderdale Street, you can eat like a massive family bag of potato chips or crisps if you're English. Yeah, and then you're more of a consumer, then you're a big pharma customer for life because you're going to get sick from your own obesity or whatever form of that it takes, diabetes. I'm depressed. Oh, yeah. They're not uplifting, are they? You know? No, yeah, no. Exactly. If you're making things with your hands, your hands are busy, your mind is busy, you're going to be keeping yourself <laughs> happy. There's not a lot of beauty, even in these soaps. There's not a lot of beauty. And let's face it, it's not just the storylines that are depressing. The acting sometimes can be depressing alone. sorry sorry being bitchy speaking from my arts background drives me wild can't watch any of it awful even when one of my close friends was in it in East Enderdale Street I'll let you figure out which one that was of those three but even when she was in it I could barely bear it my god horrific but it's, it's funny that we talk about some of the reasons why pharma doesn't want you doing anything creative because that's like free medicare to me so it's no coincidence that We talked about prisons, that artists, be they dramatic art, be they sort of paper, hardcore art, go into prisons. But also, if you're severely bulimic or anorexic, very often they have arts programs and they have opportunities to create drama or art inside those institutions where they're trying to keep these typically young women alive from their own eating disorders. 
And it's that kind of occupation of the mind space, doing something that is valuable, that is uplifting, that makes you feel proud of yourself, increase your self-esteem. Surely that's got to be better than popping pills, isn't it? hundred percent. I mean, I went to do a six-week course on meditation in 1998 and I turned up for the course and on the first evening I sat there and I thought, I've been doing this all my life. I can get into a meditative state really easily because that's what happens when you draw. That's what happens when you immerse yourself in something creative that's all that there is it'd be the same with writing it'd be the same with any form of that playing music yeah absolutely running yeah when you run you achieve flow you know yeah absolutely and it's free loads of this stuff is free doesn't cost anything that's the problem for pharma isn't it and the government you know yeah that's right once you've bought your set of pencils or your set of paints and you've got trainers. no idea what to do with them. Yeah, exactly. Then, you know, you don't need help with the rest. Yeah, it's yeah. scandalous, isn't it? When you look at it, it's, I know people say that, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. Well, it's better than being a coincidence theorist, isn't it? If you're looking at the evidence and the balance of probabilities, <laughs> why all of this stuff, I mean, isn't a set of, go on then, what does a set of paints cost you? A reasonable starter set of paints. What would that cost me if I was going to, have a crack, do you think? If you wanted to have a go as an absolute beginner, I would say you want to spend about 30 quid on a set of watercolour paints. Oh, wow. Well, that sounds a lot cheaper than popping antidepressants every day for the rest of my life already, doesn't it? Certainly a lot better for a wall. Going to need some paints later again to top up when I use them up. But mm, you see, I think that farmers really addicted to the money rather than healing the people. Call me an old cynic or whatever you like. It's nothing to do with Healing people, they don't want to heal anyone. They just want to no. keep having the money coming. That's 100% where they're coming from. They're not interested in people being better. I know you'll want to protect the privacy of your students and your clients, but is there some sort of story that you might like to share about some of the transformative effects of therapeutic art that you've witnessed yourself whilst teaching? There are situations that have come up where there's one particular case where somebody has lost contact with their children and they've actually started to start that conversation again through art because they've got a child that's studying art and with the parent now doing that as well it's opened up a line of communication that wasn't there I mean that it's an unexpected benefit isn't it that you would never have foreseen that was going to happen it's fantastic but the comments I get from people that I work with they are just blown away by themselves which is fantastic isn't it all I'm doing is facilitating and giving them the space and the knowledge of how to use things and they're not all going to like everything that that I show them they're not all going to take to watercolor they're not all going to take to conte or working with oil paint but they're all going to find something that they really love amongst it and they enjoy the fact that they can try these things yeah it's like you might not like musical theater and my believe me my husband doesn't he's walked out of several shakespeare productions even ones at the rsc sorry he just didn't like it cost a bloody fortune as well slumly major anyway (laughs) anyway i liked it (laughs) but you know he'd be very at home with 
maybe a Carol Churchill play or yeah, even a Pinter. It's different strokes for different folks and it's horses for courses. And if you don't have skilled teachers and facilitators, then the students are never going to find their niche. They're never going to find the bit that works for them. And it isn't that related to what's happening, for example, in school, quote unquote, art departments. We've got a bunch of people who some of them can't even do any art themselves. And that's patently obvious if you've ever worked in a school. But these people are just totally like that architect lady. How is she qualified to teach art in a secondary school? In how is that going to inspire anybody having to go around art galleries to find learn some names of famous painters? What a joke. No, no, it's so destroying when you hear that because you've got kids that are wanting to learn and they're just getting told that they're no good at doing what they're doing. I mean, I was in school that my, my art teacher didn't think that I had any particular ability in art and I drew every day and I still do. And I look at my work back then, no, it wasn't perfect, but the passion that I had for it, any teacher worth anything would see that someone is looking to work at things you've got you know nobody's naturally talented to the point where they can suddenly pick up a paintbrush at whatever age their opportunity arises and create a masterpiece it doesn't work like that we're not magically gifted which is a very common misconception people think artists are just different to everyone else we're not we just like to keep trying with that thing because that's our thing. I did a drawing in, in, in pastels when I was about five, right? There was a vase of flowers that was brought into the classroom and we all had to sit and draw it. I can't remember the pa- that paper that you use. It's very, uh, it has quite a texture to it. I can't remember the type of paper that you were meant to use. But anyway, we, it was on this different kind of paper than I'd had access to before. And I drew, I drew this really beautiful vase with these pastels, right? It's in a frame on the wall in my house now because they thought I was going to be an artist. Sadly, it was the best thing I ever did. I never improved from there and everything has been worse ever since. Hence, it's a family joke. It's like on the wall in there to remind me that, yeah, you suck at stuff too. Um, (laughs) But it's this funny thing where there's this, because it was very advanced for my age, apparently. If you see the detail, because I've done the detail on the vase as well, and I can see why people thought I might have had a future but uh my goodness me nothing literally nothing since can't even draw stick men properly complete joke <laughs> but it's so true that it's about the opportunities that put in front of you and it's also about being taken seriously it's about having somebody to teach you and to show you things in contrast to you who can actually do art i can't because of a huge variety of reasons not blaming anyone or anything but my high school secondary school art teacher was chasing me, trying to get me to do GCSE art. He wanted me to do GCSE art. And when I say I can't draw a stick, man, I'm not really joking. It's pretty, I'm pretty shocking for somebody who can write cursive very nicely. It's unbelievably bad. And yet the reason he was after me is because I'd learned how to colour in off that girl I sat next to. And he knew that that kind of colouring, we could just make some abstract shapes. I could use like maybe a pair of compasses, stick some shapes on a piece of paper and just colour them in. And that would look beautiful on the displays at open evening. And it would look beautiful as a piece of GCSE coursework. No talent, almost no skill, one colouring in skill borrowed off my friend. And that's what he was chasing me for. Literally no artistic ability whatsoever. And then there's yourself, by contrast, who has skills and talents. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. Because the other reason is because they've brought in like more academic aspects to, for example, GCSE art, 
that art teacher, Mr. Nunes, knew damn well that because I was a smart kiddo, I was getting A's and A stars in history and English and maths and whatever. He knew I'd be able to pass all the written exams, you see. And he thought, okay, she'll pass the written exam. He'd done the calculations. He'd figured out that I would get an A. Wouldn't get an A star, but I'd get an A just by using a pair of compasses and colouring in. What an absolute joke. And that was what, oh my goodness, how old am I? At least 20, maybe more years ago. <laughs> there are. I think it sounds to me as though you're actually a perfect candidate for a contemporary fine art practice degree. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, I think that's the worst compliment I've ever been paid in my entire life. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Isn't it funny, the two contrasting stories of you, you've got, you've got it, I haven't. My art's in drama and words and speech, but yours is on paper and things and yet I was being courted by the head of art who's chasing me around the school trying to get me to sign for GCSER. And you're like, oh, no, no, we don't you. What? What? Yeah, I would have definitely gone on that fine art course, wouldn't I? <laughs> Contemporary <laughs> fine art. I love it. <laughs> I feel slightly wicked for laughing about it because it's not funny. It is. It's obviously hysterical. But it's also not funny for the children, is it? The thing is that this whole thing with giving children such tight briefs to work to as well... Children are so creative and they have to work to these briefs. When George, before we pulled him out to home educate, when George was in school, he got told, the class was told, right, everybody is to draw a rainbow. So, and he did a rainbow. Now, he did a tree inside his rainbow and he did some fields and things at the back of it. And no, that was wrong. That was wrong. And he came home devastated that the teacher didn't like his artwork, took it away. And I'm was, sorry, George, your art is wrong. What? I know. <laughs> and it's just like, God, the, 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 the more scope they have, they don't need briefs. But if you give them a loose brief and just say, yeah, do something around this subject... They will run with it and they will surprise any adult because they are so creative and they're so much fun. Their work is so much fun. It should be celebrated. And instead, it's crushed and stifled and ruined. It's from their soul. It's a part of who they are. Like when you create a piece of art, no matter what it is and how it's done, it's part of you, isn't it? It's come from you. Yes, you might have taken inspiration from that which is around you. It's deeply personal. And to tell a small child that your art is wrong, now that's funny. It's not funny. It's sick and disgusting. But from my perspective, sat here, that's, that's funny. That's so pathetic, it's funny. Absolutely. These people are it funny. It shows you the ego of the teacher, because that's what it's all about, isn't it, at that point, surely. They have got in their mind what they want that child to do, and that child hasn't done it, and their ego can't take it. Their ego can't accept that, okay, well, that child has produced something that's really lovely and it's got what I asked for within it. How fantastic. That they, they just can't let go. Well, she's made it, hasn't she? Teaching a bunch of snot-nosed eight and nine-year-olds to live in. Yeah, well played, love. Without being funny, for some people that's a dream and if it is and they do it properly and honourably, you're probably not telling your children that their art is crap and that that's not art or their art is wrong. But for, the, for people who are saying that to small children, clearly she's probably a little bit upset with herself. Maybe, you know, teaching year four or whatever year five was not what she wanted maybe she wants the year six class bitterness <laughs> well people Something we, we laugh on. but these things this this stuff happens this teachers aren't 
and they should be, but they aren't beyond exacting revenge on small people because they're pissed off and upset with their own crap career or their own, they didn't get the classroom they wanted that year or they didn't get the TA they want. I don't want any TAs any year, but anyway, they didn't get what they wanted and they do behave badly because many of them are childlike. And the reason that an awful lot of teachers are childlike is because they've never existed anywhere outside of school. They went to nursery school, they went to infant school, then primary school, then secondary school, then they went to sixth form and or college, then they went to university and then they went back to school as a teacher. They've never been anywhere, they've never done anything. So it's little wonder we've got literally got children teaching children and it's so unhealthy and so damaging. We should have the best adults teaching particularly young children who are like sponges. They're very sensitive to changes and to, to words and actions. I think it's absolutely appalling that we have very low paid, relatively low paid teachers and that they're so young and ignorant. I wouldn't let anybody go through that cycle. I wouldn't let you be a teacher if you'd never actually been out and done any other job before. I just don't think it's right. I mean, I think I'd make a great art teacher in in a school if I I don't want to do that. But if I did want to do it, I'd be a good candidate for it. But I haven't got a teaching degree. So, you know, you don't want to do it. Oh, no, do I don't want to. Because <laughs> you'd be made to fill out forms and write. You wouldn't be doing art with the children. The last thing that they want you to do in a school is teach children. Yeah. Believe me, I tried it. I tried it over many, many years. The last thing you get to do is actually your damn job, which is teaching the children to the best of your ability. They will throw everything in your way. Meetings about school ties, report writing, lesson planning, which is just like filling in sheets for Ofsted. It's not actually planning your lessons. Often that crap you fill in has got nothing to do with the lesson you've planned for your children. It is disgusting. If you want to be a teacher, for God's sake, don't apply to a school. You've got to go indie these days. You've got to be private and independent because you're just not going to be allowed to teach. And it's soul-destroying. If I went into teaching wanting to teach. On my first interview, hadn't yet fully qualified, but I was interviewing already in the February of my teaching degree year. And I got the first job I applied for. I cancelled the interview I had booked the next day and they wanted me to start right away. And I'm like, well, I have to finish my university course first. And they're like, okay, well, when do you finish? I'm like, well, I don't think I get a certificate until like June, July. They're like, can you start in May? We don't mind. We know you're going to get it. And I'm like, if that's allowed. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. So, you know, I'd be going in to, to do this stuff, but it's not... I was earmarked for headship. They'd already decided that I was going to be a head teacher from my, you know, my first interview as a, prof- as a professional. I didn't want any of that crap. I wanted to actually teach, funnily enough, I wanted to teach the children in the classroom. <laughs> I didn't That's want to sit in an office. Didn't want to sit in an office writing emails. Lots of jobs let you do that. But, you know, it was, it, the whole thing and the pressure on you to make phone calls, to write emails, to show up to these garbage meetings and so-called training nights. <gasps> Until you've seen teacher training, continuing professional development for teachers, you haven't seen anything. It is just unbelievably dire. And yeah, the last thing you get to do is actually teach your people. But I, you know, I take your point. If things were different, perhaps, maybe. But I'm also not for institutionalizing stuff. And I, it strikes me that how can you really teach art in a classroom with 30 different kids? Like, surely that's too many. Don't you need like a one-to-one time? Way too or? many. It's way, way too many. To teach something efficiently, I think the maximum you could have is 10 people to teach them how to do something efficiently. Because when people are first introduced to a medium, you can't just leave them to it. You have to 
show and explain. And you can't do that to 30 people in one go. You'd have to do it in groups and they would have to be doing something totally irrelevant while they were waiting for you. <laughs> you know, it's just how long was the art lesson? An hour? I mean, that's not long enough. And when you go into creativity, when you do anything creative, then you go into, you talked about the flow earlier, didn't you, with running. And you go into the flow, you go into your headspace. And that's something that's really hard to be taken out of. And to be told, if you're 20 minutes into a drawing or into a painting or into acting as somebody else, and then someone says, right, bells ring in, into the next lesson, then you're cut short from what you're learning and what you're involved in. And that's really hard to get back, isn't it? Yeah, when you're writing a scene from a play, never let anyone interrupt you. Like, I go mental, I throw things and shout and scream, because if I'm telling you, do not enter, I'm doing something, because you'll completely lose your train of thought. And with a play, you've got multiple characters. So in art, that might be your textures, or it might be your, you'll have variables, right? So you're juggling all of these things, and you're trying to keep all of these themes and thoughts in your head at the same time as writing dialogue, like a conversation between people if it's a play. And it's not okay to be interrupted. Of course, that's going to screw it up. And then to try and get back to where you were later, what a joke. A, what a waste of time. And B, it's never going to be as good because you were in the moment when you were in the moment. And it's very hard to recreate that same moment moment ever again. And yeah, I think that's where like the artistic temperament, the diva quote unquote comes from, isn't it? The archetypal diva, like, ah, oh, I can't believe you've interrupted me. How dare you? Like it, we laugh <laughs> about it, but it, there's conditions. <laughs> well, quite. Yes, I can't. Actually, it's a good one. I cannot work under these conditions. Yeah, I think I might have uttered that on several <laughs> occasions. But it's real. That stuff is real. You don't want to be interrupted when the freaking bell goes off or when some art teacher who's not even half as good as you are when you're 14, 15 is trying to interfere with what you're creating or steer you in a different direction because that might be popular with the examiners this month or whatever. No, Absolutely. I'm sorry. Make sure that you fit in some global warming into there or make sure you fit in some LGBTQ and all the rest of it. That's all going to, they're expecting all of those things to go into it, aren't they? Of course they are. And that's something that I would never be able to comply to myself. I'd get sacked within a day of being a teacher, I think. But no, you'd be sacked within a day of being an indoctrinator, but you would never be sacked as a teacher. Because if you're a real yeah. teacher, you wouldn't be in those indoctrination centres in the first freaking place. No, right. you're a real teacher. You're out on your own doing it. And there's nothing that yeah. proves it more than making a private income, however modest, from being an independent teacher, someone who stands on your own feet and teaches honestly and faithfully and properly. Most people stuck in schools, they're trapped. They can't get out because they can't get that salary anywhere else doing pretty much anything else because they're not good at anything else. They're not even particularly good necessarily at teaching art, but they're not capable of cutting it out in the real world, in the big bad world out there. They've got to be paid for by the state and handed over their salary. And the cheek of them striking. As somebody told me, there's been like teacher strikes. I'm like, what? You're lucky you've got a job. You're crap. You're indoctrinating children, which is harmful, and you're going along with it. Like, I'd shut, if I were you, I'd shut up. I would literally shut up and get on with it and then try your best to get out because I think bad things are coming and not before time. I think you bloody well deserve it, each and every one of you, particularly the evil ones that went along with or even enjoyed the scamdemic, muzzling children. Like, I just, that was, for me, that was it. I literally flipped my lid at that point. That was beyond... Muzzling and vaccinating them. Oh, anti-everything human, isn't it? And art, isn't that what it is to be human? Without being nasty, cows don't do paintings, do they? 
They do cats. <laughs> like, and there's a reason for that. Like our art is what is part of what makes us human, isn't it? What makes us transcend. Absolutely. It's fundamentally what makes us human, isn't it? Is our creativity and the way that we think and express differently. And the way that you said about your flowers in the vase earlier, you'd have had how many people sitting around you and you all would have done a picture of those lovely flowers on the table and the vase and Every single picture is going to be different because that is that individual's interpretation of what they're seeing. And that is so fantastic. That's a great thing. It's the same when you teach a really strict handwriting script. So when I teach uh, an old German form of cursive, and it doesn't matter how disciplined you are, how hardworking you are, how much we all do together, it'll also come out different because we're unique. We see the same thing, the exact same thing differently, which is really makes it even more remarkable that the scandemic was able to be pulled off. Because if we all see even the same thing so differently under normal conditions, they must have pulled some really scary dark stuff in order to have dragged together that compliance and that uniformity, almost that singularity of thought. I find that really frightening. It's all the fear, isn't it? Fuel the fear. Fuel the fear. I would also go further. I would blame the lack of art in schools the lack of dramatic art, the lack of real art, yeah. not necessarily contemporary fine art. I think we'll leave that out. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the lack of creative thought, isn't it? Because once you do start thinking in creative ways, it doesn't just limit itself to whatever your particular penchant is. It relates to everything. You think about everything differently and you think about everything more because you're giving yourself that space to do that. You haven't got television on or radio on or anything like that. You're involved in what you're working on and what you're working in. And that gives you space that nothing else does. Yeah, it transports you. There's a great saying, and I'm annoyed because I can't quite remember who it was that first said it, but it says, love the art in thyself, not thyself in the art. Yeah. Particularly applicable to actors and actresses. Yeah, you can see the ones who love themselves. I think that really, yeah, absolutely. And the ones who love the art for its own sake, yeah. And that's evident in the final product. If you look at the actors and actresses that always play themselves, oh, look, Jack Nicholson playing Jack Nicholson in Jack Nicholson film, the movie.com again. Don't get me wrong, there's clearly a place for a Jack Nicholson, but... Tom Cruise. Yeah, he's another one. Doesn't that really give you the kind of, they're loving themselves in the art? Hey, look at Absolutely. me, rather than loving the art in themselves. And yes. But you've got the same in artists as well. Damien Hurst, Tracy Emin, you've got people that the art is them as far as they're concerned. And that's been allowed. But I mean, what goes on with those really high end artists that actually the really conceptual people that are really considered to be the best of the best by who, how? I mean, this is, it's a club that doesn't make any sense to anyone else, isn't it? I think that if you're an artist of any kind, that you should view yourself as like a custodian of skill and beauty. Absolutely. You're just a custodian and your job is to pass on the baton once you're finished. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? 100%. This is what I feel so passionately about. When you are an artist, you have a responsibility to share your knowledge and your skills. And I do that at home ed groups we go to. I do it, there's one that we go to, and that's several families are there, usually about 30 people are there. And that's on a Tuesday, and I'm there, and I like to 
share things with the kids. We've done cyanotype printing. We've done all kinds of cool things together. And they all come up with something fantastic because kids do. We've got a little farm club over the road. Kids do it there. I do things with the children there. Now, obviously, I'm doing my teaching as well. I have a responsibility to encourage and to demonstrate and to help people that want to take part in in art. Find the art in themselves. Find it. Find what it is for them. It's different for different people, strengths and weaknesses. And yeah, help facilitating them to find the art, but also to respect it. And if you're going around breaking the rules before you even learned them, then you have no respect for that particular medium or, or what or that subject, whatever it is. Absolutely. I think that's where it's all gone an awful lot wrong. This kind of the powers that shouldn't be are off, like forcing a false individuality onto people. Like, oh, you can do or be whatever you want, regardless. No, you can't. You've got to learn the scale the music scales before you can ever create any really great music that may push the boundaries or challenge that which has gone before if you don't know the rules it's very very obvious to people in the future I mean, could you imagine can you imagine 400 years from now histor- art historians looking back on the absolute crap that we produced during these years i'm so ashamed of it already yeah, like yeah. i'm already cringing at the thought of historians of all kinds actually not just art historians looking back at the architecture we built around this time at our attitude towards morality at the demonic use of technology, the whole shebang for me, it's just ugly, it's grotesque. I feel like they always tell us that the Middle Ages, you know, the Dark Ages, I think we are the Dark Age. I think we are the densest, dumbest, most ugly, grotesque and useless creatures possibly that ever walked the earth. I mean, at least in the Middle Ages, they had a few less creature comforts, didn't they? Like, what excuses do we have? I know. We've got it so good. Absolutely. And the other thing, of course, is that curiosity they can't be children can't be curious about something they don't know about so if an opportunity is not given to them then how will they ever know that that may or may not be something they'd be wanting to take forward well they're not going to get the opportunity to discover that in an indoctrination center because let's face it all of the money goes to special educational needs any leftover money goes to the core subjects english and maths why because the school's league tables are judged on that any money left over after that has to go to the gifted, the so-called gifted and talented children. Why? Because Ofsted are assessing the school on that. Art, ha! <laughs> first budget to get cut, isn't it? Art, music, no, I don't need that. Drama, no, I don't need that. And yet these are the very things that allow you to transcend uh, really dark and difficult times. Dr. Jordan Peterson talks a lot about beauty and art and creativity. I don't know the man, but he would appear to, he's been to some very, very dark places even before he was tremendously unwell and before his wife was extremely sick with cancer. Even before that, he consumed a lot of very dark material, a lot of dark readings, particularly with regard to the totalitarian regimes of the 20th century of all flavors. He'll equally talk about, let's say, Stalinist Russia. He'll talk about Lenin. He'll talk about Chairman Mao's China. And of course, the one that everyone knows points to Adolf Hitler's so-called Nazi Germany. So I think he knows darkness. I think he knows what it is to suffer and to struggle, both as somebody who is reading about the struggle and suffering of others, but also to personally suffer. And yet he still talks about beauty and art and the fact that you've got to do something with your life that you're so passionate about, it makes the suffering worthwhile. Yeah. Is that going to be rewiring plugs, is it? <laughs> Funnily enough, no. But they don't teach when you're wearing plugs in stores anymore. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, they're not even teaching utilities, are they? They're not even teaching. That's yeah, practical. 
that's too, too useful. So it's like, okay, so <laughs> how many schools, how many secondary schools now teach any textiles? It's so few of them teach textiles. And the ones that do, they're teaching textiles in a conceptual art type of way. They're not teaching people how to make or follow patterns. They're not teaching them how to actually make garments, how to create a bag. They're just the most simple, basic things that will start people to give them to the tools they need to actually have some self-sufficiency in life. They're not being given those opportunities. Why? Because they don't want people to be self-sufficient. It's the last thing that they want. Correct. It goes against all of their narrative, doesn't it? But I mean, the Arts Council, they took on museums and libraries in 2011. And since 2010, between 2010 and 2020, the funding has decreased by 16%. And that's, of course, gone down a lot since 2020 as well, because that got absolutely flattened didn't it? The performing arts have just suffered absolutely horrendously throughout all of that time. But it's just, they are not putting any money in towards this. They're just giving them more and more expensive, big expensive things to take on and stretch that budget out. And all the money's going to agenda-ridden projects. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Rather than actual art and skills and artistry. So we have talked about some serious dark stuff and I'm very happy and thank you very, very much indeed for being so honest and forthright and for sharing it with us. But what I'm going to ask now is what can we do about as individuals, as parents, as teachers, as lecturers, what sort of things can we start to do to push back against this? I want to leave people with a bit of hope because <laughs> we've gone there for the dark stuff. And <laughs> rightly so, I have to say, we have to tell the truth. It's not a pretty picture. It really is not a pretty picture. But what can we start to do to, if not turn the tide, then at least to make the very best of it in our own homes and in our own hearts and with our own children? Okay, that's a really good question. And I think that if you are in a household where you have a child and the parents do not consider themselves to be creative, then you need to go through YouTube with your child and look at different forms of art. There are so many fantastic tutorials on there that you'll be able to get an understanding of what there is out there, how to use things basically, and get them some student quality equipment that they can just start to play with but don't get them really rubbish stuff don't get them crayons oh crayons are horrendous they're no good to anyone chuck them out don't get them in the first place get them some decent colored pencils it's not going to cost a fortune be 20 quid on a set of half decent pencils that work nicely and they'll look after them better and you you can teach them personal responsibility because they've got they have something that's theirs it's their property and they need to look after it because it's expensive well comparatively expensive no I think that's not just great advice for art I think that's wonderful for character development and yeah well done I think it's fantastic yeah and I just think just go to an art shop with them walk around an independent art shop and have a look at what there is there talk to the staff staff are always really happy to talk to you. I used to go to an art shop when I was a kid. My parents were not artistic at all. And I used to go into an art shop. I used to get myself on the bus to this art shop. And I used to go in there and I was always asking this lady questions. And she always 
was happy to answer me. You know, I've barely spent any money in there, but we're friends now, actually, you know, <laughs> so many years later. Just go in and use those independent art shops. There's so few and far between. Go to one, make an effort, it's worth it. Go and speak to them about it. That'll be better than YouTube because you'll be able to go there and they'll be able to give you some advice on what you will need, what you will actually need. You might not need a set of 20 brushes. You just need two or three just to get started with, but nice ones. And what about potato prints? Yes or no? <laughs> potato prints for the two-year-olds. Yep, that's fine. <laughs> Beyond that? Beyond that, no, there's so much more you can do. And there's Good. so much more they can do. You know, and actually just don't limit them because you'll see that if you give a load of cardboard boxes and newspapers and sellotape and scissors to a child and scissors that can actually cut paper, not those stupid scissors that don't do anything at all in case they hurt the child, they won't do it twice. They're not stupid. So let them have some equipment like that, really basic. Teach them respect for tools, teaching respect for actual tools. This can be useful, but it can also be dangerous. Let's be smart. Let's be yeah, oh, these people, I'm so glad you said that about potato prints. Disclosure, pet hate of mine. Pet hate. <laughs> Part of the problems that we have with lack of artistry in our country, freaking potato prints. Stop it. Just stop it. If you've got no better ideas than that, leave. Give the job to somebody else. <laughs> I must admit, I've never done potato prints with any of my children. <laughs> if I can do it, if Mrs. Plumley can do it, it's not art. Even Mrs. Plumley can do potato prints. It's not art. <laughs> all right on that, on that note I think I better stop <laughs> I'm not worried about you but I'm worried about me now <laughs> listen thank you so much for giving it with time to come and teach us about this stuff it's so interesting and so lovely to hear you speaking so freely openly and honestly I really appreciate that could you tell listeners where they might be able to find you because I'm sure there'll be people who want to know more and perhaps want to follow you where can they go yeah. I'm on Instagram as Deborah Jane Designs and yeah, feel free to find me there. And if anybody is completely and utterly stuck with an idea or has a question about something to get their child or themselves creating, then do get in touch because I'd be happy to point you in the right direction if I can't help myself. That's really generous of you. Thank you very, very much indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Deborah Willard, nature artist and therapeutic art teacher, passionate about sharing the joy, peace and achievements creativity brings. And if you'd like to follow her or get in touch with her, her link to her Instagram account will be in the description. On that note, no more potato prints for you. Yeah, get your hands in your pockets, find a few quid and go and get some damn decent paintbrushes and or colouring pencils you have been warned. Your children can either be educated or schooled. And these things are mutually exclusive. Take back your individual sovereignty and that of your family. Visit sarahplumley.substack.com and subscribe for free to stay up to speed with all things education, not indoctrination. 